Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. My name's Justice Scone, hosting today's program. Look, we'll start off with a few thank yous. This is a special post-election broadcast, and then we'll be cut, get out the knives and we'll be cutting up a few political heroes and heroines out there, because I think it's time that we had some real analysis of what actually occurred, not what we see in the Murdoch media and the rest of the gutter press in this country and even the government guild at ABC. Now, first of all, I'd like to thank all those people who assisted me in the uh, campaign in Dunkley, which is the southern suburbs of Melbourne, covers 105 square kilometres. We're actually able to cover all 37 polling booths, so a big thank you to all people. Obviously, not we didn't cover them for the full term of the program, of the election, I should say, but uh, we had enough uh, there. Now, there are 11 candidates. Uh, currently, I'll give a more up-to-date report next week when the final figures have come in. But currently, we're coming 7th out of 11th. Uh, we've uh, knocked out the Rise Up Australia and the Liberal Democrats and the Australian Christians and, sorry to say, the Arts Party, and we're on the heels of Family First, so we'll see whether we've knocked them over. But I think the important thing is that uh, it was a well-organised pro- it was a well-organised campaign it was on one topic only, and that was making the wealthiest 1% pay 1%. So I'd like to thank all those people who are involved in the campaign. We'll be having a bit of debriefing in the next week or so. But not this Sunday, but the following Sunday. And all those of you who are involved in that campaign will get will get invitations. And uh, your supporters and friends will be having a get-together on that Sunday uh, around midday. But that's not this Sunday coming, but the following Sunday. But uh, it was effective. Now, I went to about 21 of the 37 polling booths. I couldn't cover them all, obviously. As I said, it's 105 square kilometres of the electorate of Dunkley. But it was interesting to see the uh, CFA out there in half of the electorate. And it's really sad, very sad to see these people out there on the day because um, they've basically allowed themselves to become Murdoch's tow rags because the Liberal Party, you know, had actually, uh, you know, was... Um, using the CFA, you know, to uh, sh- bolster their uh, political fortunes, and they may have bolstered them in uh, Dunkley. It's too close to call at this stage. It'll be interesting to see once preferences are distributed what actually happens in that particular electorate. 
Uh, they did have a minimal effect everywhere else. But what it's done is it's destroyed their credibility amongst a significant proportion of Victorians. And that's very sad for an organisation which is made up of volunteers, and many of these volunteers have worked for decades to protect their communities from fires, and they continue to work for decades, and they'll continue to work for decades for nothing. And it was very sad to see a career firefighters, paid firefighters and volunteer firefighters actually at the same polling booths are fighting amongst the, each other. But I really lay the blame on the uh, Liberal Party for a large degree and most importantly to the Murdoch press, especially the Herald and uh, Weekly uh, Times in, uh, in uh, Victoria, for actually using the CFA to push their pro-corporate agenda. It was very sad to see, very sad to see. And obviously many of the CFA people who are out there on the day were out there for good reasons. They're out there because they feel they've been dutted uh, but, uh, you know, trying to confuse state issues with federal issues and then getting old Turnbull to come down here and say it's the first thing he's going to do is legislate to protect them. I think that's the last thing in the Liberal Party's minds currently con- considering the um, situation as far as the election is concerned because irrespective of who forms government, this was not the Liberal Party's finest hour. So it, it is it is, it is, is a tragedy. It is a tragedy to see the goodwill that's been built up by decades of the work done by volunteers who do an essential job in the state of Victoria and obviously in other states where you can't have enough career firefighters to protect areas as large as we have in this country. It was a tragedy to see them manipulated, pushed around, used and abused for the Murdoch, uh, by the Murdoch media especially, who t- treats them as toe rags, and by the Liberal Party, who were dishonestly campaigning on the day. And I saw that myself. I mean, as I said, I went to 21 booths, five or six of them had CFA volunteers there, and I saw the Liberal Party campaign at all these booths, and it was quite interesting the way they actually, uh, you know, ended their little squeal every, every time. You know, they said, oh, well, you know... A vote for the Liberals is a vote for the CFA. What a load of crap and bullshit. And it's good to see that so many Victorians saw through it. So, look, all I can say to the CFA is all those volunteers who've put so much effort and energy and work towards the community, don't allow yourself to be manipulated by political forces who are really not interested in what you want or what you want to do, who are not really interested in the important role you play in society, who are all they're interested in is using your dissatisfaction, your issues, to promote their myopic political agenda. So all I can say is my commiserations, and hopefully people in the CFA will soon see that the way through the current dilemma is through negotiation, not by hitching their flag to the you know, the flag of some of the most reactionary people in this country, and to allow scum, and that's the word, and and my apologies to scum, scum like the Herald Sun, using the CFA on a daily basis for a month before the election to push their pro-Liberal National Party agenda. Now, let's move on. Now, I understand that Mr Shorten has asked Turnbull to resign. Obviously, he will resign sooner or later because, obviously, even if he has a, a narrow majority and we won't know for another few days what's going to happen, he, his position is totally untenable. I mean, it was interesting to see an election night. See, good old Tony, good old Tony, get out, you know, his violin, 
trying to make a pitch for him to be the Prime Minister. What a load of crap. But we did warn you about this and talking about warnings, I am really concerned. I'm really concerned about the Australian Greens. Now, sometimes, sometimes people do something with unexpected consequences. And I think the unexpected consequences of this election was the three or four senators which one nation now will have in the Senate, which gives them a particularly strong voting block in a Senate which may have up to 13 crossbenchers. And it's quite ironical to see that the uh, the Greens have lost two senators, two senators at this election, and most likely they haven't gained one House of Representatives seat. And I remember on this program we kept saying over and over and over again the consequences of changing the system of voting for the Senate. The only reason Turnbull went to a double disillusion election in an early election is because the Greens, in conjunction, that's right, in conjunction with the Liberal National Party, passed the legislation which was currently passed. Now, now in the good old days when we had this preferential voting system, what used to occur is if you didn't like one nation and they were staying in the Senate, you'd put them last on your preference sheet. Last on your preference sheet. And it was quite possible for the combined weight of the community to actually ensure that people with those types of viewpoints actually didn't actually win seats in Parliament, especially the Senate. It was quite easy. And you had you know people like Ricky Muir pop up, so what? People like Madigan from the DLP, you know, pop up, say what? These people didn't actually have these views which are held by one nation. So every time Di Natale looks across the cross benches and sees the one nation senators, he needs to remember that it was his party and more importantly his decision that has allowed this state of affairs to occur in this country and for people like this to get oxygen for the next six years, unless there's an early, another double dissolution election, which I, which I doubt. So Richard, in my opinion, Richard Di Natale is personally responsible because he has moved the Greens from an f- oppositional third-party force to a third-party force which was actually looking to make compromises with the Liberal National Party for what he perceived to be short-term political gain for the Greens. And it's been a total disaster. It's been a disaster in terms of their total vote, which has dropped. It's been a disaster in the fact that they most likely have lost two senators. And it's been a disaster by the fact that their inner-city campaigns to wrest safe Labor seats from the Labor Party has failed, narrowly failed, narrowly failed thanks to uh, Mr Turnbull uh, putting the Greens last. Now, it's quite extraordinary that although they have given the Liberal National Party this ability and they've given one nation three, maybe four spots in the Senate, through them being used and manipulated by the Liberal National Party, and it's time that Di Natale resigned as leader of the Greens because his policies that he has pushed since he gained leadership of the Greens have been a total disaster for this party. So it's time that he resigned. 
Forget about Turnbull resigning. He'll be knifed in the back. And as he turns around, he'll say, Et tu abit, et tu abit. But as far as Di Natale is concerned, needs to be removed from the leadership of the Greens and somebody for more ethical and reformist agenda than Mr Di Natale takes over the Greens. And then maybe, just maybe, they'll be able to attract the support they actually need to be a significant third force in politics in this country. Because what we have now in the Senate system is a simple quota system. It's a simple quota system. The role of preferences have now been almost totally removed in the Senate. While you see in the House of Representatives, like I said, the electorate I stood in in Dunkley in, in southern Melbourne, you know, 11 candidates. It'll be our preference flow which will determine who gets elected. And when you have a preference flow and you have one party which is put last by all the other political parties because of our, its outrageous you know, um, opinions... Well, the chance of that group obtaining power is minimal. For example, Rise Up Australia received over 35,000 votes in the House of Representatives seats in Victoria. They have similar views to One Nation. You could describe them as Victoria's One Nation. But they were blocked, blocked, by the preference system. So irrespective of what you think by the preference system, at least with a preference system, the people you find most most loathsome go last on your uh, card, on your ballot paper. So a lot of lessons to be learnt from this, a lot of lessons to be learnt. Because what a parliamentary seat does, it gives you the power to get ideas across to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. And it allows you to create a political and social network which allows you to exercise power. Let's not forget that Mr Adolf Hitler was elected to Parliament and his party had about a third of the parliamentary seats before the coup occurred, which put them in as as a dictatorship. Let's not forget that when you look at all the political parties that we have in this country, the registered political parties, that the left is dead. That's right. The traditional left is dead. It should be buried. Maybe not buried because it may rise again. It should actually be a miracle, a second coming. It should be cremated. It is dead. Its ideas are pathetic. Its analysis is incomprehensible you know, to most Australians, incomprehensible. And the extra-parliamentary left, what's left of it, sorry for the pun, the extra-parliamentary left is lost in navel-gazing. Lost in navel-gazing. It he ha- does not have the capacity to influence what's actually happening in Australian society. It cannot mobilise people on the most basic, basic, issues. Because irrespective of whether Turnbull comes in with a narrow majority or a, or, or a minority government or Shorten comes in with a minority government, irrespective of what happens, none of these so-called political leaders will 
be able to deliver. That's what the campaign in Dunkley was about. It was about looking at alternative methods of taxation which would raise revenue from the corporate world, which in this country pays legally voluntary taxation. And in some cases, like Mr Murdoch and his companies, News Corporation and 21st Century Fox, pay hardly any tax and in 2013 received an $886 million tax refund. The biggest tax refund in Australian history, which the Australian Tax Office didn't even bother to oppose in court. Didn't even bother to oppose in court. So we have major issues because the political parties will not be able to deliver because they are not willing to raise revenue from the corporate sector which will continue to pay voluntary taxation. So Mr Shorten may talk about saving Medicare and public education unless they are willing to make radical reforms which will be impossible with the type of parliament they have today, which will be impossible, which introduces new taxation methods which can't be shrugged off by the corporate sector, things like a 1% financial turnover tax, 1% stock market turnover tax. These are corporate GSTs. They occur when the money changes hands. Removing the GST as a tax deduction from the corporate sector. You know, introducing a um, you know, 1% stock market turnover tax, which all these four taxes, as I said before, during the whole political campaign, could raise over $150 billion per year. Because the issue in Australia today, and it continues to be the issue, irrespective of what we see in the Senate and irrespective of what happens in the House of Representatives, is how do we ensure that corporations whose major responsibility is to make ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders pay their fair share of tax. It doesn't matter how many nice words we, we have regarding, um, you know, regarding uh, what we're going to do about Medicare and public education and public infrastructure even if we decide to go back on 40 years of deregulation, privatisation, globalisation, corporatisation, even if we do that, which I doubt very much, looking at the current uh, political situation, we have major issues, major issues. And that major issue is based on the fact that with economic dislocation, by the fact that those very people those very people who should be supporting the types of ideas that we talk about, about ensuring that there is a little bit more equality in this country, those very people have turned their backs on what's left of the left, turned their backs on the traditional left, turned their backs on the Greens, and they are voting in increasing numbers, not only voting, but giving support in increasing numbers to groups like Rise Up Australia and Pauline Hanson's One Nation. And if you look at the voting figures, their support doesn't come from your traditional liberal heartland. Their support comes in a large degree of cases from traditional Labor seats. Look at the results in Victoria and you'll be surprised that, you know, Rise Up Australia is picking up 
3 4% of in certain seats and those seats are traditional labor seats where traditional labor voters labor voters have been left behind you listen to the anarchist world this week broadcast across australia the community radio Net- radio network my name is Joseph Lascaux. i'm hosting this program so what's the answer look i can be critical all day but what's the answer and the answer is that we need to build, and I keep saying it over and over again, a new social movement with a parliamentary arm which can actually attract people who now find themselves dispossessed, disenfranchised, marginalised, not through any fault of their own, but by the fact that they are no longer needed by the industrial corporate complex to make profits for them. People who've been disenfranchised, not just in an electoral way but economically, by a number of policies which have been supported by both major parties which have tried to create a low-cost, deunionised labour force in this country. And that's what it's about. Corporatisation has been about allowing large corporations to grow larger. Deregulation is about removing regulations which prevented these corporations from actually exploiting their workers and the, and their, uh, the consumers they deal with. Privatisation was about giving away. Giving away large sections of public assets which are paid for by the blood, sweat and tears of generation of Australian taxpayers whose money went into those enterprises to create a mixed economy, giving it away to the private sector. So we have an issue because what we now have is the perfect environment for the creation of a nationalist authoritarian, you could even call it fascist, movement. Not among the ruling class, but among working people and the dispossessed and the poor and the marginalised who think, and this is the issue, who think that their dispossession and marginalisation is due to the fact that somebody has a different sexual orientation or a different colour or speaks a different language. And that's why... We formed public interest before corporate interest one year ago. I mean, the early election stopped us from actually participating in these elections because we weren't actually able to register as a political party. Because, yes, you have to register as a political party and you need 500 members who are on the electoral roll. Although we have over 700 members, you know, only about 350 at maximum would actually be on the electoral roll because we're actually um, attracting people who are marginalised who can't, you know, who don't even want to be part of the electoral process. So what we are doing is we're creating the environment for the creation of an exclusive nationalist movement, which is very happy to point its finger at the other, because it's very simple to point your finger at a minority, whether it's, whether it's an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander you know, somebody from overseas with a different skin colour or a different religion. It is very easy to do that. It's much harder to explain the essence of people's dispossession. And that's what public interest before corporate interests will be all about, is all about. It is an inclusive organisation, inclusive organisation, 
which accepts people of all religious beliefs and no religious beliefs, of all se- accepts people irrespective of their sexual orientation, accepts people irrespective of their nationality, the language they speak, the colour of their skin, their cultural background, and the list goes on and on. It's an inclusive organisation because we, what's left of the left, and I don't think of myself as the left because I think those terms left and right, died 30 years ago, 40 years ago of the dismissal of the Whitlam Labor government. They're dead because they mean nothing anymore. And originally what they meant is, you know, one group sat on the left side of the revolutionary parliament, one on the right and the one on the left side was more egalitarian than the one on the right, right? But these, these terms really mean nothing to people anymore. So what we need to do is to create that social movement with, with a political party. Because the long journey ignoring parliamentary elections has allowed a whole cluster, cluster of small, authoritarian, racist, bigoted political parties to gain a foothold in this land. It is a huge tragedy that we have allowed them to gain that foothold and we need to fight back. Because currently, people on the non-authoritarian political movement are all consumed by issues. People with progressive viewpoints lose themselves in issue-orientated parties. And if you looked at your Senate ballot paper, it was full of almost irrelevant issue-orientated parties which really don't have much to say about society itself. The cyclist party the Voluntary Euthanasia Party, the Anti-Pedophile Party, and the list goes on and on. Nice people trying to do nice things who think that somehow their little sectional interests are going to change things on a wider scale. So it is a challenge. We do face a political, social challenge. And the Results, if we don't face this challenge, if we don't squarely accept and face this challenge, we do run the very real risk of creating an authoritarian, fascist, racist, bigoted movement in this country, which now, as a foothold in this nation's parliament, as a foothold. And their foothold is there courtesy of the Greens Liberal National Party decision to change the voting system. Because they thought that if they changed the voting system, they get rid of the little parties, the bigots and the racists. Well, it didn't work that way. Because they prevented people like you from actually putting those people last on your ballot paper. They prevented you from expressing your opinion regarding those people. And I am angry. And I'll tell you why I'm angry. Because we told the Greens this 
over and over and over again before they form that alliance. It's critical. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the community radio network. So it is a critical period. The next 12 months is a critical period. It is critical that we increase membership in public interest before corporate interest. It is critical that we take up this fight both intellectually and morally up to these this new force in Australian politics. It's always been there, but now it's organised. And once it's organised, it becomes dangerous because it has it's actually able to speak to people and bring people the worst out of people. So it's time that we formed a new group which can counter counter this cancer. And it is a cancer. It is a public cancer. It is a cancer in the public sector. It is a cancer. And to a large degree, it has been created by political parties which swallowed the corporatisation, privatisation, deregulation agenda. They swallowed it. Holeless bolus. Who privatised Telstra? The Australian Labor Party. Who privatised Qantas? The Australian Labor Party. Who privatised the Commonwealth Bank? The Australian Labor Party. And it goes on and on. It's all very well to them to talk about the privatisation of Medicare. But what about the privatisation of uh, Centrelink? What about the privatisation of welfare in this country where private organisations, you know, run welfare for the government? How about the privatisation of offshore detention and asylum seekers giving that work to private corporations? Think about it. It's all around you. How about the privatisation of kitchen services in public hospitals? Ward staff in public hospitals, cleaning staff in public hospitals, pathology staff in public hospitals, outsourcing this to the private sector. How about the 457 visa rorts? I mean, the whole purpose of 457 visa wasn't to bring across skilled labour. You can do that through a migration system. I mean, people are coming here by boats in order to get to this country. If you open the borders, you'd have 100 million people here in two days because of the freedoms and economic benefits we we continue to enjoy despite 40 years of privatisation and deregulation and corporatisation. Despite that, you don't need a 457 visa system. The 457 visa system was introduced for one reason, and only one reason, to de-unionise the workforce to bring in cheap labour, which could be exploited. Every day we see major corporations who are exploiting cheap labour that's come across on 457 visas. And how about all the bodgy education things that we see every day, the bodgy education courses, the privatisation of TAFE? Because in a capitalist society, if you don't have the force to you know, have for radical change, if you want to ensure that everybody... Everybody has a choice. You do it through the development of a mixed economy. What's a mixed economy? A mixed economy 
is when you have publicly owned assets, like the old Commonwealth Bank, which were in direct competition with privately owned assets, like the privately owned banks. And in that situation, you have real competition. When you remove the state-owned asset, there's no competition. You have a cartel. It's simple. This is simple stuff. This is not difficult. Anybody of one synapse neuron could sort this out, could work this out. But nobody ever seems to be able to work it out. You listen to the Anarchist World this week. Now, look, I haven't mentioned NAIDOC week. It is NAIDOC week. People say, what's NAIDOC? Well, it's National, Aboriginal and Islander. That's right. We tend to forget the Torres Strait Islanders who make up 25% of Indigenous people in this country. It's National, Aboriginal and Islander. National? <laughs> NAIDOC. N, National, Aboriginal and Islander Day of Commemoration. But now it's a week. So what about NAIDOC week? One week set aside. One week set aside. Think about it. What about NAIDOC week? Where was the discussion during the election regarding a treaty between Indigenous Australians and non-Indigenous Australians? Where was the discussion about paying the rent? Where was the discussion of making the most simple apology, not just for taking the children away, which was an apology which was made by Mr Rudd on behalf of the Australian Parliament, not the Australian people. Where is the discussion in NAIDOC week? You know, it's all about actors and sports people and, you know, few things like that, few well-known people. Where's the, where was the discussion? It's not, it's not there. National Aboriginal and Islander Day of Commemoration. And when that was formed, before the war, I think it was 1936, the first day that was held, it was about Indigenous people climbing up, standing up and saying, we were the first people we need to be respected. Where's that discussion? It doesn't happen, and you're not going to get it. You're going to get more of the same now that we've got the racists and the bigots who now are honourable politicians, the right honourable such-and-such and the right honourable such-and-such, courtesy of the Greens and Liberal National Party fiasco, voting fiasco. I mean, you think Mel- Malcolm cares? Of course he doesn't care. He's got his $150 million. He'll just continue to pour his money offshore, you know? But it's the people who have worked all their lives in this country who are now the losers. And that's why they become attracted to the rhetoric of division. Because it's honest people who pay their taxes who are the losers in this country. It's honest people who work 40 or 50 or 60 hours a week on the basic wage, the new working poor, who are the losers in this country. It's people, the 33% of Australians on Social Security benefits who, need, who live on less than $450 a week and in some cases a new star, less than $255 a week. And let's not forget there are 700,000 unemployed in this country who are the losers, you know. 
And they, we don't need to have losers in Australia. And that's the tragedy. And we don't need to be fighting amongst each other. And we don't need to have political parties whose major aim is to foster division by highlighting difference. We don't need that. But we've got it. And we continue to have it. Because we have little democracy in this country. The fact that you can cast a ballot every three years and actually elect a representative to make decisions for the next for you for the next three years doesn't really change much. Let's move on. As I said, it's NAIDOC week and it's good that we celebrate NAIDOC week. But let's move on. Let's look at the scum in the privately owned media in this country. Day after day, week after week, month after month, they continued you know, to support the Liberal National Party agenda. We had the toe rags in the uh, Murdoch media using and abusing CFA volunteers to push their ideological pro-corporate agenda. And every day we had this continual onslaught and we saw the Fairfax media jump in. We're all told the Fairfax media is some type of, you know, reformist radical presence. All it is is just another privately owned media corporation. And obviously we saw all the shock jocks on the privately owned radio stations froth at the mouth. And the thing is, you're going to see it again. And you're going to see it day after day after day because if there's a hung parliament and Mr Shorten becomes Prime Minister... Don't forget what happened to the Julia Gillard-led government. Don't forget what happened to the Rudd Labor government. Because these people are frightened of even the most mildest reform. And they're quite happy to whip up the racist agenda. They're quite happy to pillory people on Social Security benefits. They're quite happy to pillory minorities in this country if it suits their economic agenda. Quite happy to do so. And that's what we need to remember is that these people don't speak for us and they don't speak for most Australians. Because when you get down to it, when you speak to people who support groups like One Nation and Rise Up Australia and the Liberal Democrats and the list goes on and on. When you speak to them, you begin to realise that they are, in, not all, not the organisers, but in the majority of cases, the rank and file supporter, they are there looking for an alternative. They are there looking for an alternative. And the traditional left does not provide that alternative. And issue-orientated politics does not provide that alternative. Fine. You're a member of the Animal Justice Party and you want to you know, look after animals, fine. You're a member of the Marriage Equality Party. What happens when you get marriage equality in the next few years? Hmm? Is it all over? You're a member of you know, another organisation, you know, another issue-orientated political party and there's a whole plethora of them, even including the Flux Party. I'll tell you about them one day. But... Uh, 
Or the DL, the old DLP still running around. But I did notice the Republican Party's been uh, disendorsed. But that's a different story. So it's interesting, isn't it? People are reaching out. We do. We have that one in four Australians who are now reaching out. And the Greens are not reaching out to them. And the traditional left is not reaching out to them. And the extra parliamentary left is not reaching out to them. If you want, you know, these are people who describe themselves as left. I don't describe them as left. They describe themselves as left. But the traditional right, the far right, is reaching out very effectively, very effectively, using a combination of a little bit of direct action, but mainly electoral politics, mainly electoral politics, reaching out successfully creating that momentum that is required for social change. So if you're going to do, if you're listening to this program, if you're listening to this program, it's time, and I keep saying this, you did something. And I'm not talking about turning off the TV set or going on social media, you know, and clicking your way to oblivion. I'm talking about joining one of Australia's fastest growing, non-authoritarian, equality-based groups. A social movement with a political party. Public interests before corporate interests. Have a look at our constitution. Download the application form from the website, pipsy.net. Have a look at the Toscano for Dunkley website. Have a look, have a look at the Anarchist Marine Institute website. Go on the Pipsy Public Interest Before Corporate Interest Facebook page. Because now is the time to become organised. It's not the time to feel depressed or unhappy or become privatised in your response to what's actually happening around you. Now is the time to actually get involved in social and political movements which want to make a difference. Social and political movements which revolve around not just issues, not issue-orientated social and political movements, but social and political movements which have a wider agenda about ensuring that we devolve power in this country, that we remove power from the corporate sector and that we share the wealth. You know, we live in the Commonwealth of Australia, Commonwealth, but Commonwealth for who? So it's been a fascinating week and it'll continue to be a fascinating year. There's a good, strong possibility there'll be another election within 12 months. And that's why, as PIPSI, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest, we are calling for your support. We are, we're involved now in a membership drive over the next few months to ensure that we register as a political party for the next six months. Because I'm quite confident that irrespective of who forms government, that we will be back to the polls. And it's not about fighting, holding your powder dry till the election occurs. It's about creating a presence in our society. There are alternatives to blaming the other. There are alternatives to pointing the finger at the other. And that the social problems we all face, the economic issues we face, are to a significant degree 
due to the fact that corporations set the political, social, cultural and national agenda in this country. They set the agenda through the mass media, which is owned by corporations. And corporations aren't interested in the national good. They're not interested in your welfare. All they're interested is in the welfare of their major shareholders, which means making ever-increasing profits. So they talk about a big Australia. They talk about increasing immigration. They talk about more deregulation, cutting more green and so-called red tape. They talk about privatising everything. They talk about opening the borders through free trade agreements to, you know, large corporations. They talk about this, they talk about that incessantly, every day, incessantly. It's the same story. It was quite interesting to see the business associations saying, oh, my devil. I won't use the deity's name. Oh, my devil. Oh, my devil. Does that mean there'll be less foreign investment? Who gives a shit about how the foreign investors feel? Nobody has said, how about those 33% of Australians who rely on Social Security benefits to survive, who survive on less than $450 per week, 255 in the case of New Start Allowance? How about the working poor, those casualised people who haven't got a permanent job, who get casual rates, who move from job to job, maybe doing three or four jobs. Nobody talks about them. How about those children who lose out in the public education sector because we see billions of dollars of taxpayers' money squandered, squandered on private education? How about the billions of dollars that are squandered on the private health insurance industry, who's basically a money-making concern for major shareholders. Same thing happened. What was Abbott's greatest trick? Privatising Medicare private. Sorry, Medibank private for a paltry $5 billion. What happened when Medibank private was privatised 18 months ago? Prices private health care went through the roof. I mean, the thing about Medicare, and what this is what people don't seem to understand, it's not just about giving every Australian access to basic medical care. Medicare is about having a mixed health economy. What that means is that doctors who continue to bulk bill because they've got an adequate reward for their efforts and they're not getting an adequate reward for their efforts. That's why they're stopping bulk billing and introducing co-payments because they're going to go bankrupt if they don't. Provide a mechanism via which you put the lid on the cost increases from the private sector. Because if it's all left up to the private sector, as we've seen now in certain sections of medical care, prices escalate. And that's the strength of Medicare. Not just the fact that it provides that universal access to private health care, but it actually keeps a lid on the explosion of private health care costs. And when you see the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners, a relatively conservative organisations do ads during the election campaign which say, which basically highlight that people cannot access health care because of the co-payments, you begin to realise 
how serious things are. And it's all very well to say that Turnbull's out of touch with how ordinary Australians feel. The fact is that the mass, the corporate-owned media and the government guild at ABC is out of touch with what's actually happening in the real world. Because all we do is we hear from the same so-called experts, the same political commentators, the same business people talking about the same garbage on a daily basis, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So no wonder people no longer have any faith or trust. But unfortunately, because of the weakness, the weakness of what's left of the traditional left and the weakness of the extra-parliamentary left, the fact that they are so caught up in their own internal shenanigans that they can't provide a viable alternative, what we are seeing is people who should be joining groups like PIPSI people who should be getting involved in political protest, people who should be involved in strike action occupations, we see them gravitating to these new political parties which are emerging, you know, from who, who promise people that all their problems will be solved as long as we get rid of the Muslims, as long as we keep the abos back on the, you know, on the reservation, you know. These are the language that they use. I mix with people. Everywhere. And this is the language that is still being used in, in significant segments of Australia. Not because people are inherently racist, but because people see no other options. And if there is something that the non-authoritarian political movement that exists in this country needs to get involved in, it's that struggle to actually win the hearts and minds of ordinary people whose hearts and minds are now being won by people who are want to create divisions in our society, who want to point the finger at others, who want to ostracise people because of their religious beliefs or their sexual orientation or the colour of their skin or their nationality or the language they speak. Because hate speak has become an issue. And irrespective of whatever legislation you have in place, which is really a load of crap when it comes to hate speech, what is important is the fact that it is gaining momentum because of the weakness, the total weakness of the anti-authoritarian movement in this country, which has been hijacked by issue-orientated movements and parties because having reformist change and radical change is all too difficult It's all too difficult, people think. And it's not difficult. It is not difficult. It's something that needs to occur, and it needs to occur today. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, but today. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is heard across the country. We'd like to see people from across the country join public interest before corporate interest. You're concerned about the way things are going in this country. It's time that you joined a new social movement and a new political organisation which offers doesn't offer solutions, but it offers protection. It gives people a mechanism via which to agitate against the corporate sector, to devolve power and to put power back in people's hands without 
pointing the finger at minorities and blaming them for a situation which is a making of both the major political parties whose corporatisation, globalisation, privatisation and deregulation agenda, which has been the primary agenda in this country since the dismissal of the Whitlam Labor government in 1975, has created the social and political morass we find ourselves in in Australia in 2016. And if you don't think, and you think I'm exaggerating, look around, talk to your neighbours, see what they really think, work out why they think that way, and maybe, just maybe, you can be part of the pro- part of the solution to the problem, not part of the problem. You're listening to the, you've been listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3CR. Dot org dot au. You can ring us on 0439 395 489 0439 395 489. You can go to our multiple websites. If you're interested in joining public interest before corporate interests, have a look at the um, Constitution. Download the application form. Pipsy, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Go to the Facebook page, Public Interests Before Corporate Interests. Write to us. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Yes, one of the few political organisations that still answers letters. Costs us a heap, but we still answer letters. We understand that a lot of people don't want to get involved in the digital world, the World Wide Web. Send us a letter. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can go to the... uh, Toscana for Dunkley page will be up for another week or so and then we'll take it down once the election's uh, finished, but... uh, highlight what's actually happening and to highlight the campaign and once again I'd like to thank all those people who helped us in the Dunkley campaign about 50 people were involved in the campaign it was very effective very effective not just in terms of gaining votes but more importantly in terms of widening the political and social debate in one small section of this country widening that debate getting people to look at what is the principal problem and how we as individuals and as groups, as communities and as a nation can resolve those issues so we can actually, you know, hose down the fascist, racist elements which are growing in our society today. Thank you once again for the Anarchist World this week. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station next week. I'm Jermaine Greer, and you're listening to 3CR, Treaty Now. Today's program has been pre-recorded, therefore Joe will not be attending the Wednesday Action Group. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Wash my hands. Oh, Lord, yeah.